Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. Reflections from the Heart with your host, David Abel, is an outreach of gospel reflection, a ministry of stewardship, a mission of faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join David as he breaks open the bread of life in the gospel reading for Sunday's Mass. And as the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers, inspires us today with the truths he reveals to our hearts through his word. Now, here's David with Reflections from the Heart. Welcome everyone to another session of Reflections from the Heart. My name is David Abel. Today I'm joined by Tom DeAngelis, Rob Longo, and Hannah Woodward. Welcome one and all. Good to be here, David. David. Awesome, awesome. And uh, today, if everyone wants to take their Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 10, verse 46 through 52, we're going to break open the bread of life. But Rob, before we do that, do you want to invite the Holy Spirit into our hearts to help us on that journey? I would love to. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, Father, Son, Son, Holy Spirit, Spirit. amen. 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 Heavenly Father, thank you for for your love. Thank you for this day, the gift of this moment. And Lord, whatever distractions we're bringing to this moment, please give us the grace to, to, to let them down. Uh, if it's a physical distraction, um, our cell phones, our computers, whatever, just help us to, to put those down. If it's a, an emotional distraction or a situation, if we're feeling anxiety or fear or resentment or anger, Lord, please help us to put those down and surrender them to you so we can fully be present right now in this moment. Uh, so as we break open your word, your love letter to us, the gospel that we will hear this Sunday, that we will be able to receive uh, what you want to give us, Lord, uh, the fullness of what you want to give us. And we, we pray for all the families of those listening, all the uh, the people listening, all of our friends that listen each week. Lord, just bless and protect them, bless their families, and uh, and help us all to draw closer to you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Father and Son, and Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. And Tom, do you mind giving us a little bit of gospel love today? Sure. This is a reading from the gospel according to Mark, chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. As Jesus was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a sizable crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind man, the son of Timaeus, sat by the roadside begging. On hearing that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have pity on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he kept calling out all the more, Son of David, have pity on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called the blind man, saying to him, Take courage, get up, Jesus is calling you. He threw aside his cloak, sprang up, and came to Jesus. Jesus said to him in reply, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man replied to him, Master, I want to see. Jesus told him, Go your way, your faith has saved you. Immediately he received his sight. And followed him on the way. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord, Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. As you were reading that, Tom, I was uh, looking at the word, the sizable crowd. And in that sizable crowd, they were rebuking him, telling him to be silent. You know, and I wrote down the word in this blind man that he was spiritually blind to something. And I bring that forward to today. And so many people are spiritually blind to the effects and the death that it causes of pornography in our lives. And so I can see where a sizable crowd people would say, oh, that's really not a sin. Oh, that's really not bad. Oh, that really doesn't hurt you. 
All those are lies from the enemy. And so we got to be careful not to listen to the crowd, but to truly hear the Lord's prompting to come to him to break free from this addiction that absolutely is killing you spiritually. So this this blind man, you know, when I look at it today, who was blind potentially, you know, for me, a person today, blind to the, to the, the true horror that pornography is, is crying out to Jesus, have pity on me. That, you know, begging and, and, and acknowledging that he's in a bad place. And I love what Jesus does. He says, what do you want me to do? And that's the question he asks each of us. Do we truly want to be free from whatever that addiction is? You know, and I use pornography as an example. Do we truly want to be free? And if so, tell the Lord that. And then when the Lord says, you know, when the, when the Lord says, you know, call him, you know, we're drawn to the Lord and then we recognize him as the master, as the Lord. And we, we tell him again, I want to see, I want to see the truth of the, because I've been blind to this sin in my life. I want to see. And Jesus then with that faith in Jesus to be able to save you, he releases you from the addiction that, that, that just binds you and puts you in that snare. So again, as I'm walking through this, that's what it really hit me with. And, uh, and then the key thing is, he always gives us our free will opportunity to, to go your way. And then again, he chooses to follow Jesus. Where? On the way home to heaven. So again, that's just my little thing. As you were sharing, Tom, it just kept breaking open to me, you know? And, and just, it's, it is such a scourge. And, uh, you know, there's m- many addictions and many things that I had to struggle with in my life. And uh, through God's grace and, and his kindness, pornography wasn't one of them, um, you know, although, you know, sexual sins were. But uh, pornography wasn't. But lately, we've been doing due diligence and prayer on certain things to bring into the ministry to help people. And I've gotten such a a heart now for for those who are struggling because I didn't truly understand the the level of of addiction and how how it parallels and how similar it is to to drugs and alcohol that you enter into this cycle. And it's truly um, it, it is a real true addiction. Um, and we have a lot of opportunity to, to help those and come alongside of those that are suffering. Um, and because a lot of times people stumble on it, especially when they're young, and it's not their fault. It's not, it's not their fault. They, they stumble upon it, um, and, and now it's not even stumbling. It's, it's a full frontal attack where they're going after our young people. And, um, and you know, once they see it, they don't know how to handle it. You know, certain things happen where, you know, it feels good, but it's shame at the same time. And then they hide it and then they, they want to go back and, and, and little by little they're, they're stuck. But it's, um, it's something that we need to truly, uh, Lord, please just, just help me to have a heart full of compassion because it's, um, it, it, it's, it's horrible. Yeah. So the more I'm learning about it, the more my heart is just, is just open and pouring out for my brothers and sisters, and we, we can't forget the sisters, right, that it's, uh, it's men and women that are, are struggling, uh, that my heart's just really going out um, to, to help to, in any way we can. And one of the ways we can help as the Lord uses us is we ask the Holy Spirit to help us and give us the words and the wisdom, you know, to help these people is, number one, they are not addicts. 
They are children of God. Helping them to see that truth as this man was blind. I just spoke at a big banquet last week where I help these men and women who have struggled with these addictions of alcohol and and drugs and sexual and say, you, I am not an addict. You are not an addict. Each and every one of us are precious sons and daughters of God. And we battle the battle. We fight the fight of an addiction. And it's the Lord Jesus Christ who in my life was victorious over each of those, over alcoholism, over gambling, over anger, over pornography and sexual addiction. The Lord Jesus Christ set me free. So sharing that story with them gave them hope. It helped them see because too many times, you know, we hear people say, oh, I'm an addict. Stop that. You're not an addict. You're in a battle. You are a precious son or daughter of God. So helping them to see that truth. And then for us, the body of Christ, because the Bible tells us when one part suffers, we all suffer. So we need to be warriors for Christ for them. So I had someone very close to me in my life, a very good friend. It came out battling sexual addiction, battling pornography, which went from pornography to acting out. And I'm like, Lord, how do I help this person? They're such a close friend to me. And the Lord's like, prayer, and fasting. And I'm like, wow. And I remember the scripture verse, you know, what the reason the demons couldn't be cast out because they didn't pray and fast. These were, these are ugly, vicious demons. The addiction to pornography, they say is worse than the addiction to cocaine or heroin because it's your brain that's releasing the chemical that you want more. You got to do more. You have to have more. And so for me, I'm like, all right, Lord, what can I fast? Well, I have a problem. My problem is a stupid TV remote. I'm addicted to the knucklehead thing. I there sit there, click, 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 click. I waste an hour of my life a day, sometimes two hours. And the Lord's like, that's the perfect thing to fast for him. And I'm like, wow. Well, I said, Lord, you got to help me because I've been addicted to television since, you know, I was probably <laughs> four years old. And so the Lord said, and, and so in my heart, the Lord gave me the grace. And this is day four. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm the, this altered whatever and I could do it. But I've asked the Lord for the help. Why? Because I want to and I choose to fast for this man, for him to be set free and give up something that for me is a great sacrifice because I want it. I want to watch it. I want to be dumbed down by it. I want to be anesthetized by it. And that's not of God. So for me, offering up something. As a fast for somebody else, it's given me a new perspective and it's actually helped me be set free from something that I battled for years. I think, too, it's, uh, you know, it, it, it appears to me deeply significant that the thing that you've been called to fast on is um, images, that you're giving up images. And that's what you're um, that's what you're praying. You're invoking the Lord, you know, to help this other person um, avoid images that, you know, the temptation of images. So, and the other thing too, is I think when we share, you know, as you mentioned, we share in the suffering of Christ and that, you know, that unites us to Christ in a deeper way, but it also makes our prayer that much more effective or our fasting that much more effective when we do that. I know one of the things I struggle with um, often is um, trying to get my commitment, you know, as a third order Dominican, the commitment to, to, uh, to do um, morning and evening prayers and office of the reading and, and, and the night prayers. Um, but a lot of times I just don't feel like doing them. And I don't feel like when I pray through those prayers that 
my heart is really there. But at the same time, I've taken to understanding with help from a spiritual director that, you know, that's that struggle is in itself a prayer and that I can offer that up. So it helps me to understand a little bit more that, you know, even in the praying, even in the not wanting to pray, but continuing to pray. And even though the temptation to feel that it's ineffective, um, even offering that up joins me with Christ in a, in a particular way. And I think the other thing that you mentioned, David, that really kind of hit me was, you know, not only is the blind man blind, but the people who are telling him, you know, hearing him and rebuking him are also blind in some way, too, because they don't see what he sees, which is Jesus, son of David, you know, Jesus, the king, Jesus, the master, Jesus, the person who can help me. He sees Jesus as somebody that can be um, a solution to a problem who can be an answer to a prayer for him, and they don't see that. And so in many ways, they're more blind, and so are the people around um, a, a person who's addicted to pornography or has a sexual addiction or any addiction who say, oh, it's not a problem. Like, you know, we should legalize marijuana because that's an easy thing for people to deal with. But it, it's not. It's a gateway. You know, as, and as with pornography, those people around that people who are addicted to it, who say, well, it doesn't hurt anybody. It's, you know, it's a victimless crime, um, who really are blind. They're blind to all the consequences of that. They're blind to all of the people who are involved with it, who are suffering consequences, you know, and you just have to kind of, you know, close your eyes and pray for them. I mean, there's no other way to, to deal with that. You just have to help them see through the blindness. So. And one thing, because I deal with people all the time that suffer and battle this battle because I battled it. And so they come to me and they allow me into their heart because I know the fight they're in. You know, and so many of these people, they, if you listen to them, what do they do? One, justify. Two, accuse somebody else. It's not my fault. It's this person's fault. And that's why I look at pornography. You know, so they justify, they, they accuse, they deceive themselves that it's not sin. Well, those are all tactics in, in, of the enemy, not of God. So, you know, and, and here's another piece that really hit me on this is one word. On hearing that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out. That's why it's so important for each and every one of us all day long. We need to share the truth with love about Jesus in our lives. Every convenience store I get into, it's may God bless you. I planted a seed of faith in that person's heart, you know. Every chance and every opportunity I get, I share about Christ. Christ at work in my life in the business place. Christ at work in my life in setting me free from addictions. You know, Christ's love for me. Whatever it is, we're planting seeds of truth because in order for this man to have heard about Jesus, someone first had to tell him. And that's our calling. And I love this where it says, your faith has saved you. Faith without works is dead. Work without faith is dead. Faith is a free gift from God that is to be lived out in love. That's it. And so this man, you know, um, his story is, his faith is, he, he had courage. So take courage. Courage is a gift we can pray for. Take courage. And he got up and he flew off. And, and again, that cloak that, that covered him, it represented to me the weight of the world, the weight of that sin, threw it off, you know, and he, and he stood up and, and went to the Lord. He sprang up, I should say, and he went to the Lord. That's what we got to do. And we fall at the Lord's feet and ask for his mercy and ask for his strength. And let me tell you what, the Lord Jesus Christ came and gave his life 
so that we may be set free from these addictions, whatever they are in our life, pride, envy, jealousy, condemnation, whatever they are in our life, so that we can have life and have it abundantly. So again, faith is a free gift from God that is to be lived out in love. And we need to continually, in our every day's journey, plant those seeds of faith deep in the hearts of everyone we meet. And those seeds must always be planted, sharing both truth with love, because truth and love are both fully Christ. To share one without the other is like trying to divide Christ. You know, working in this industry and being a part of we're getting to see, you know, Chastity Project and Matt Frad and my personal favorite, Leah Darrow. Um, and hearing their testimonies, I think that really encompasses this take courage and get up. Because they're able to stand in front of thousands of people and admit their sins and, you know, tell their story and how God has saved them. Um, and I think in a way these testimonies are answers to their prayers or the sinner's prayers. And you're saving someone's soul. David, you gave your testimony many times and at the Catholic schools, um, and the kids, you could see it on their faces. They were they were saved, and they it sounded like their prayers were answered. I think that's what really God's calling us to do is taking courage and getting up and saying, you know, I'm a sinner, but through God's grace, I've been saved. One of our uh, CDs uh, that we have in the uh, in the uh Media racks that go out to the parishes is one by uh, was then Father Barron is now Bishop Barron, and he has a, a a reflection on this passage of scripture, and I always remember when he says, uh, you know, if Jesus would come to you today and say, what do you want me to do for you? He said, make sure you have a good answer, you know, to that. But he says, you know, he was talking about Jesus wanting to come to us and wanting to be with us. So he said, he said, the answer to what do you want me to do for you is Jesus, I want you. And he said, then he said, of course, Bartimaeus's answer, I want to see, he said, that's not too bad either. So because meaning that in a symbolic way i want to see i want to be able to see the truth i want to be able to invite the truth into my life because jesus is you know goodness truth and beauty and so when we invite the truth into our life he's part of that he's you know we have the experience of him when we invite him into our life we get the goodness the truth and the beauty that comes with that but i always um whenever i read this passage now i always think if jesus says what do you want me to do for you make sure you have the right answer ready to go so you know because that because in some ways he does that every day he asks us every time we open our eyes in the morning he says what do you want me to do for you and i i hope i have the right answer every time and then if, and, and tom if we say you know i want to see that you know we can put that sight in you know at work for the kingdom right and uh and be aware and, and observant of, of what's going on and who's around us and what the needs are. And I heard this really cool story. It was a it was a, a story of, of a sales representative and his relationship with one of the doctors that he called on. And this doctor was the busiest doctor in town. No one, no representative, no sales representative was able to see this doctor except this one sales rep. And all the reps were talking, what is it? Why, why does he see you and only you? You know, we try to do the same things and we go in there and we buy them lunch and we give them the goodies and, and you are the only one. And he's like, I don't know. I don't know. So the next time he saw the doctor, he said, you know, I really appreciate how busy you are, you know, that you, that you see me, that you, you know, that you give me the, you know, give me the time to, to share, you know, the products that I have. And 
why though? You know, it seems like I'm the only one. You know, people are asking me why, and I'm I'm kind of curious as well. Why? And the answer you got was uh, the physician said, you know that the boy that that sweeps the floor, and this boy had you know some some kind of special need. He said, yeah. He said, you're the only one that talks to that boy, and that boy's my son. Right. So who do we notice along the way? You know, who have we passed by along the way? Uh, I mean, he didn't know that that was the doctor's son. He, out of the goodness of his heart, he would just, we'd talk to him and engage, right? And, and, right? So who do we miss? Like, so this blind man is on the side of the road. How many people do we encounter or, you know, you know the sins of omission, right? How many times have we omitted opportunities to, to sit with, talk to, engage uh, in conversation with someone that, that might need us, but you know we're too busy, and we just go on to what we think is more important. Well, you know, and and I um, when you were sharing, Rob, I was back on this ending sentence: "Go your way; your faith has saved you." Immediately received his sight and followed him on the way. Followed Jesus on the way. Well, this whole concept of saved you, we don't need to have our physical sight to be saved. So to me, this whole passage is speaking of a spiritual blindness. Blindness to what? Blindness to the sin in our lives. I always like to put out the little the little ditty, the Lord brings sinners into my life to reveal my sin. How I judge people by their looks, by their, you know, by whatever. How I condemn in my heart, how I lust at times. So for me, that sight he received is a spiritual sight to see the sins in his life so that he can be set free through the through his faith so that he can follow Jesus on the way because he was probably off the path. So to me, it's all about spiritual. And then another piece here, which happened in another group that I was in, your faith has saved you. And the one lady in the group said, oh, you know what? There's so many times I pray for things that I want. There's a key word in their eye. What I want, and I don't get what I want, so maybe my faith isn't strong enough. And I said, well, let me give you a little perspective. I believe that God answers every every prayer we pray when we unite our will to his. I said, Jesus shows us that example in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus takes his friends. They go into prayer, Peter, James, and John's. But then Jesus goes off with the Father, and he cries out to the Father, just as this man did. Father, if it's possible, let this cup, let this chalice pass from me. And I believe he does it three times. But each time he ends his prayer with this, but not my will be done, but your will be done. So the beauty in that prayer, I believe, is, you know what? As I, Because Jesus also tells us, cry out, persevere, you know, seek, ask, knock. You have not because you ask not. Man, he wants us to pray, to ask, to beg, to cry out. Absolutely. But here's the key. Always surrendered to the will of the Father. So when I pray for someone for a miracle in their lives to be healed, but they go home to heaven, I should rejoice because that was God's will for that person. And those prayers were used but not in the way I wanted them to be used. So for me, constantly cry out, pray, but always surrendered to the will of God, uniting your will to his will. Because Jesus taught us how to pray, not my will be done, but your will be done. I really think that sets us free because then 
we become these prayer warriors uniting our hearts with the Lord's heart, surrender to his will. It's beautiful. There's a little book called uh, Trustful Surrender to God's Providence. And, you know, once once we enter into that journey, then, yeah, then it's all it's all good, right? Thank, thank you, Lord. And, and to that woman's point, if, if you stopped reading that passage on, uh, you know, about Jesus praying, then you might question Jesus's faith, you know, if, if you're using that logic, you know, Correct. so, so is Jesus's faith not, not strong enough? Cause his prayer wasn't answered using that same, you know, the same logic as, as the woman was, but you have to read the rest of the story. Correct. Not my will, yours be done. Yes. And so Jesus's journey, that chalice, he did drink and guess who else drank it? His apostles drank it. You too will drink this cup, you know, and be baptized at the baptism I'm going to be baptized with. And did they change the world? Think about that. Twelve, twelve disciples and Jesus Christ changed the world and continue to change it through each and every one of us. Because, see, in, in our uniqueness, God wants to bring his son back into the world through us, through our yes. Why? Because we're part of the body of Christ. So we're instruments in the hands of God to be those vessels of his love. And that's that's a call to action. It's a cooperation with, God, with God's plan for the salvation of who? All. I can't do what you were called to do. I can't do those works God prepared in advance for you to do, and those works are works of love. I was just talking to a priest the other day and asking him uh, just for some advice. You know, I'm in full-time ministry, as, as obviously this priest is. I said, how do, we, um, how do we handle the situation where we want everyone to believe? Like, we want to be like, all right, you, you know, believe, right? And uh, he shared a story about when he was in high school as a high school teacher, and he was like just so focused on getting the kids. You got to go to mass. 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 And then they'd be like, "Father, I went to mass. I went to mass. I went to mass." He said, "Obviously, I want them all to go to mass, but I want them to know how much I love them, how much God loves them." So he said he started, you know, kind of taking the little pressure off himself that he's not there to save them; he's there to show God's love to them. That you know, so, how are you? What's going on in your life? I'll tell me about that. And then through that openness, that love, they're going to experience God's love. And then they're going to be drawn to mass, not out of coercion and, and fear, but out of love of God. And then it's, then it's that decision that they've made. And he said it took so much pressure off of him. Because sometimes, you know, whether you're in full-time ministry or a parent, whatever, you, you want the kids to believe. You want the people to believe. And it puts a lot of undue pressure because we're not yeah. the Savior. We're not the Messiah. We just need to be his in- instruments of love. And, uh, and allow them to be drawn by his love. And that's the beauty, Rob. We're the beloved. He's the bridegroom always wooing us to respond in love to his invitation. So my challenge point to each and every one of you out there is, what are you blind and not seeing in your life that is preventing you from getting into an ever-deepening, intimate relationship with God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Take it to prayer. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. And then get into the deep water. Step out of the boat. God bless each and every one of you. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org. 
and click on Gospel Reflection Groups. Or call us at 717-367-0100. Stewardship, a mission of faith, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. If you enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting our website or calling us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of David and the staff here at Stewardship, a Mission of Faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.